What makes a mega dungeon a good way back into the hobby? Why does the prospect of delving the underworld hold such a strong appeal? Welcome back, rescuers. I'm your host, Che Webster, and this is Roleplay Rescue. Do you remember when I told you my story of discovery with BX Essentials and how I recommended playing with a mega dungeon? This episode is all about the appeal of the Mega Dungeon gaming structure and why it turns out to be a great place to start your fantasy campaign. What is a Mega Dungeon? To be honest, it's not a term that I'm hugely keen on because what we're talking about, in truth, goes all the way back to the roots of the hobby. In the third booklet found inside the 1974 Dungeons & Dragons box set, which is usually referred to today as OD&D for original Dungeons & Dragons, we read some curious words. Quote, Before it is possible to conduct a campaign of adventures in the mazy dungeons, it is necessary for the referee to sit down with pencil in hand and draw these labyrinths on graph paper. Unquestionably, this will require a great deal of time and effort and imagination. End quote. It goes on, quote, In beginning a dungeon, it is advisable to construct at least three levels at once, noting where the stairs, trapdoors and chimneys and slanting passages come out on the lower levels, as well as the mouths of chutes and teleportation terminals. In doing the lowest level of such a set, it is also necessary to leave space for the various methods of egress to still lower levels. A good dungeon will have no less than a dozen levels down, with offshoot levels in addition and new levels under construction, so that players will never grow tired of it. There is no real limit to the number of levels, nor is there any restriction on their size, other than the size of graph paper available. End quote. For me, this is the origin of what we call today a mega dungeon. 45 years on, I'm not sure that the warning that this will require a great deal of time and effort and imagination is something for us to worry about. There are, after all, plenty of really cool Mega Dungeons out there we could buy and play. Nonetheless, it would be wise for us to think about them because they really are the original and, I would argue, best way back to the gaming table. So what is a Mega Dungeon? I quite like Carl Bussler's definition. He's the host of the Mega Dungeon podcast and he spent the entire first episode answering the question... What it boils down to is this. A large, self-contained, and supernatural environment full of omnipresent danger into which adventurers make indefinite forays to seek fortune and fame. I like that definition because it's clear and succinct. But telling us what a mega dungeon is doesn't really answer the question of why we should play with one. The Alexandrian, in his blog post, Game Structures Part 3, Dungeon Crawl, says, quote, The most successful scenario structure in the history of role-playing games is the traditional dungeon crawl. In fact, I believe that much of D&D's success rests on the strength of the traditional dungeon crawl as a scenario structure, end quote. This quotation reveals why, at the beginning of this episode, I said that I am not hugely keen on the term mega dungeon. What we are really talking about is a very large dungeon crawl. Dungeon crawls are great for players because they know exactly what to do. The default goal is to find all the treasure. 
Some players take this a step further and view the dungeon crawl as having a goal of killing all the monsters or even clearing the dungeon. But for me, the pure goal of the dungeon crawl is for the players to find all the treasure. The game is also great for players because they know what to do. As the Alexandrian says, there is a clear default action. Quote, if a player is standing in a room and there's nothing interesting to do in the room, then they should pick an exit and go to the next room. End quote. The player always knows what to do next. Look for the treasure. If there's no treasure, pick an exit. Dungeon crawls are also excellent for game masters because they are easy to prep and easy to run. It's very hard to screw up the dungeon crawl, even if you are a totally new player, or, for our purposes, coming back to gaming after a long period away. To quote the Alexandrian again, and I hope he won't mind me quoting so liberally from one article, I'll put a link to the article in the show notes, I promise. To quote the Alexandrian again, quote, Collectively, this means that even first-time DMs can reliably design and run a dungeon crawl without leaving either A, their players stymied, or B, themselves confused. This is huge. Thanks to the dungeon crawl, D&D can reliably create new DMs in a way that most other RPGs can't and don't, end quote. It's a structure, but not a straitjacket, because neither the players nor the game master is limited by the form. You can put almost anything in a mega dungeon, and the players can always choose any other action in addition to the default action of pick and exit. Thus, in answer to the question, why should I run a mega dungeon? I say to you that this is the most successful game structure that you can deploy. It's virtually impossible to screw it up, and your players will quickly grasp what they need to do. Remember, I introduce 11-year-old kids to this type of game, and they don't hesitate to dive in, and they have a great time. So how do you get started with building a mega dungeon? Option A is to follow the advice given in the 1974 original Dungeons & Dragons Book 3, quote, In beginning a dungeon, it is advisable to construct at least three levels at once, end quote. You grab some squared graph paper, perhaps the classic 5mm per square type, a pencil and a ruler. From there, you start drawing a map and stocking it with stuff. But if you're willing to drop a few pennies on some useful products, I've got three further suggestions for you. Firstly, I'd like to suggest that you should start where I started in 1983 and restarted in 2016. Redbox Dungeons & Dragons. Last episode I talked about Gavin Norman's BX Essentials, which is based on the 1981 Dungeons & Dragons box set, but honestly, there is an addition that I absolutely love from the 1983 version. In short, there are two booklets, each priced at $5 and readily available on the DM's Guild. I'll stick a link in the show notes. If you're new to role-playing, or so rusty that it hurts, download the player's manual and play through the solo game. Yes, seriously, there's a great little adventure that'll teach you the basics of play. If you're new to being Dungeon Master, however, the second booklet, The Dungeon Master's Rulebook, is even better. It contains a first adventure for you to play. I've run it loads of times, and it even inspired an entire campaign world for me, my eponymous realm of Mr. Mir. The first adventure contains a dungeon map and key for the surface level of a ruined castle. It walks you through how to run the dungeon, assuming you are totally new to role-playing games. Even better, however, is the provided second-level dungeon and full instructions on how to stock the map. 
The booklet contains useful tools for the new Dungeon Master that help you choose and place monsters, treasure, traps, and tricks. It's a great resource. Finally, the first adventure encourages you to draw your own third level map with advice on getting started and guides you to a thrilling conclusion for the basics of dungeon design. I think this is absolutely the best way into the fantasy role-playing hobby for anyone who doesn't have a group and wants to play. Taking it all a step further, you can easily continue to add levels to the first adventure dungeon and create a mega dungeon. It's the fulfilment of the promise made by original Dungeons & Dragons in that opening quotation. So yeah, that's my top recommendation for getting started and doing it yourself. I spent about an hour stocking level 2. It took me a couple of hours to draw and stock level 3, albeit much later after my guides had spent about 3 sessions in level 1. Check out the links in the show notes when you get a chance. If doing it yourself is too much, however, then there's always option 2. Buy a good mega dungeon and run it. For me, there are a few easy-to-run mega dungeons on the market, but Barrow Maze is my first choice. Again, I'll stick a link in the show notes. Barrowmaze is a large and more expensive option. The PDF for Barrowmaze Complete, the whole Mega Dungeon, is $35 from DriveThruRPG. But it is a truly excellent dungeon. And it's really easy to pick up and play with it. What I mean is that it's designed to be read as you run it, really. Or, at least, to be read piecemeal, just in time for the next session. Having said that, it's more expensive, however... You can just buy the Barrow Maze Level 1 map for $6.66 and then key it up yourself. The most time-consuming part is, after all, drawing the map. I like Barrow Maze because it's a well-designed dungeon in the tradition of the old ways. It contains a lot of undead, new and interesting creatures and is available in two editions, one for Labyrinth Lord, for which you should read BX or Redbox D&D, and also for the swanky new 5th edition of Dungeons & Dragons, should you prefer the latest shiny shiny. Both editions are $35 complete. The third option is to pick a decent role-playing game system, something nice and familiar, and do what Gary and Dave advised back in 1974, build a dungeon from scratch. If you already grabbed Gavin Norman's BX Essentials, you have everything you need to create and run a mega dungeon. Grab out the free-to-download Adventures and Treasures booklet and follow the advice on designing a dungeon. Add in the free-to-download Monsters booklet and you've got the creatures to oppose your player's treasure hunting. If you spent maybe an hour sketching and stocking a map, you could easily be stocked and ready to run a game. Take a leaf out of Peter Del Orto's book. He's got a blog called Dungeon Fantastic, and while his mega dungeon Fell Tower is designed for the GURPS RPG, he has a great collection of articles on the mega dungeon and how to build one. I'll stick a link in the show notes. From his article, Mega Dungeon Mapping Best Practices Part 1, quote, If possible, draw a room or two, or ten, every day, twice a day. I've got one and a half levels done and part of two more. How I do this is simple, the same way I write books. I just write down everything and I make myself draw a room or two every time I see the map. It fills in quickly that way, end quote. To be honest, Peter is not as positive as I am about the Mega Dungeon as a game structure. He says that it's really not fast to prep, 
But I think that's more true if you're going for a mega dungeon with a game like GURPS. I can say that from my own experience. Building a dungeon is something that, if approached piecemeal and little by little, just as Peter himself recommends, it can be really pleasurable experience to both create and play. All you need to do now is find some players. While the discussion on how to find players is very much a separate topic, and one I fully hope to create in the future, I want to focus on a few reasons why players might come to a mega dungeon table. As I've already stated, dungeon crawls are great for players because they know exactly what to do. Find the treasure and failing that, choose an exit from the location you're in. Remember why some of my friends started dropping out from the Friday night roleplay? After a full week at work, I can't really handle a heavy roleplaying session. I need to recharge. The sessions are fine, but I can't commit to a regular game night. It's probably best that I bow out so I don't disappoint the others. I'm not very good at coming up with ideas for characters. I feel like I'm letting the others down. I reckon that all three of these objections are defeated by the lethal combination of a mega dungeon and some old school D&D rules. Firstly, for a player, sitting at a table with a mega dungeon to explore is not overly filled with stress. Sure, you are exploring and solving problems like, where did the orc hide the treasure and do I really need to kill him to get it? But it's not exactly at the same level as a detailed narrative campaign dealing with court intrigue. Frankly. If my 11-year-old students can handle it, your adult friends will be just fine. Secondly, they don't need to commit to a regular game. As each session can be an independent exploration of the dungeon, players can also come and go as they need to. Don't get hung up on creating a stable gaming group with the same players every time. Just provide the time, table and dungeon. Take it from there. Finally, characterization is something that emerges over time in an old school Mega Dungeon game. Just get the players to roll 3d6 six times, choose a class and equip their character. From there, it's into the dungeon. If they survive, they can worry about a backstory and other details later. That's the true joy of playing with systems like 1981 or 1983 Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeon calls are then the best way back to the gaming table because they are easy to create, easy to run and easy to play in. Is it any wonder that D&D's biggest explosion came through the 1970s and 1980s when that's what most people started with? Even today, people like Matt Colville encourage new 5th edition dungeon masters to simply build a small dungeon and set to with playing. The Mega Dungeon is a great place to restart your role-playing hobby. Yet there is one more thing to say about the Mega Dungeon. It's not a limiting campaign model. It doesn't stop you from doing other things. Firstly, as already noted, it's a structure but not a straitjacket because neither the players nor the game master is limited by the form. You can put almost anything in the Mega Dungeons and the players can always choose any other action in addition to the default action of pick an exit. On top of that, however, it's fairly trivial to add a nearby town and a small hex crawl to the structure of a mega dungeon game. If we turn back to BX Essentials for a moment, turning the pages of Adventures and Treasures, we see guidance on designing a wilderness and designing a base town right after the section on creating dungeons. 
Seriously, it's pretty trivial to expand upon the design. Reading the oddly named Champions of Zed role-playing game, I came across a delightful way of describing the Mega Dungeon, a phrase I much prefer, in fact. They call it the Campaign Dungeon. Quote, a tried and true place for the adventurers to go to time and again, end quote. As a study in the origins of Dungeons and & Dragons and role-playing generally, Champions of Zed is an interesting read because, taking things a step further, the authors recommend building a hex crawl within which you can place a mega dungeon. It's another valid approach, and one I aim to explore more deeply in another future episode. We've been looking at the idea of creating and running a mega dungeon as a route back to the role-playing table. We've had a stab at defining the concept. We've taken a look at the dungeon crawl as the best and most successful game structure from the standpoint of a person who wants to play a foolproof game. We've piled on the reasons why both players and game masters ought to be able to enjoy the mega dungeon's pleasures. Finally, We've noted that the Mega Dungeon does not in any way limit your play options in the longer term. Great stuff. So, what are you going to do about it? I hope that I've given you a useful set of ways in and might even, dare I hope to whisper it, have tempted you to give the Mega Dungeon a go. I think we need to be honest with ourselves and admit that Even if we do dream of world-spanning campaigns of high political intrigue and incredibly realised characterisation, we have little to lose in the meantime by pulling out some squared paper and a pencil to begin. Get yourself back to the table, my friend. Draw a map. Stock it. Invite some friends. The play's the thing. Shay, just listened to your latest episode and just we talked about you know how you got into BX Essentials and gaming at school, and and what people would say when they wanted to get the power out of the game, and uh, it was amazing. It was it was just a real breath of fresh air to hear you talk about the hurdles that were in your way and how you overcame them, and and you know what uh, what what you did to to get back into gaming. I love it. I can't wait to hear more specifics and hear about more specific techniques about like what you did uh, for your prep. And, and cool things that happened at the gaming table and, and things you found happening, uh, just specifically. Uh, but the, the overview is great, and I can't wait to hear more. I'm really excited. Your, your energy and positivity is a breath of fresh air, and I look forward to hearing more. Cool. Hey, Carl. Thank you so much for calling in. Um, words like amazing and phrases like breath of fresh air, dude, they're the things that really warm up a creator's heart, so thank you. I just wanted to say as well that the suggestion about sort of diving into how I prep games and how I uh, maybe present things at the table and so maybe even some of the stories on the table, um, I hadn't actually considered talking about that so much. I didn't really think anyone would be interested in my specific gaming. But hey, thank you for the suggestion because, yeah, I could probably do some of that stuff. Um, so I just big thank you for calling in. Thank you for the praise and the comments. That's brilliant feedback because I need it. Um, And yeah, great suggestion as well. Thank you. Uh, Carl, be well. Game on. Hi, Chi. This is Tim Shorts from Gothridge Manor. Very much enjoying your podcast. And I uh, definitely second BX Essentials as just being a fantastic version of the original rules. 
I've had the original rules from since they came out and never played them all that much because of I played more AD and D, but it wasn't until uh, the BX Essentials came out that I really got excited about again. And I'm, I'm right now I'm currently running two games with it. And it's great that you're doing it with kids. I used to run uh, GURPS with the kids back in the early 2000s when I worked with them. And it, it, was, a, it was a good exercise for them. And um, I think they really, really enjoyed it. And I still see some of these kids now that are young adults and they're still role-playing. So that's a win. Thanks, Jay. Hey, Tim. Great to hear from you again. Thank you for calling in. Um, great that you uh, support the idea of using BX Essentials and playing, you know, some really classic D&D. Um, and I'm really pleased to hear that you've got two games going on. I, uh, I haven't listened to enough of your podcast to sort of pick up on that, but it was great to hear. Thank you. And secondly, yeah, with kids, you know, it's it's obviously a lot of fun. Um, but hey, you know, let's just not freak everybody out and make them think that, you know, the only people you can introduce these games to are kids. I really want to get people back to the table. And I think, you know, I'd be curious to find out from you, like, how did the GURPS game go, actually? Um, and what made GURPS a good choice uh, for new players? Because um, I've dabbled with that one. And, ooh, it's hard for me to get my head around it. So any tips you got would be very welcome. Um, I think, a you know, there's a future post coming on, on here about kind of more complex games and GURPS has got to be on that list hasn't it cheers Tim great to hear from you uh, speak again soon all best game on hi Shay it's Colin Spike Pit just listened to your episode where you interview Gavin Norman uh, really enjoyed it I thought it was a great episode uh, you've asked him a, que- a few questions that uh, I would have liked to have asked him myself actually so uh, you saved me a job there mate uh, playing with him this afternoon, we're going to try out some of those advanced classes in a, uh, a playtest, so looking forward to that. And on the, the subject of the spirit of BX, for me, I think it has got a real pioneer spirit and really puts the fantasy adventure into the game. After all, that's what it is, a fantasy adventure game. Hey up, Colin. Thanks for calling in. Brilliant to hear from you. Pioneer spirit. What a great phrase. Thanks for that one, matey. Um, absolutely agree with you. You know, I guess 30 odd years on, we're not quite such mm, pioneers. But yeah, the spirit of it is definitely the thing. I uh, don't know. Anyway, dude, wish you all the best with the game with Gavin. I bet your boots are going to have a good time. The advanced character stuff looks great. And uh, speak to you soon, matey. All the best. I wanted to ask you a favour. Getting this podcast off the ground has been a lot of fun, but as we come nearer to the end of my original six-episode series plan, I'm not too sure whether I'm hitting the mark and answering the questions you still have. To help you get back to the gaming table, what questions do we still need to answer? Can you leave me a message and tell me your answer? You can easily leave me a voice message Just download the Anchor mobile app, search for Roleplay Rescue, and tap on the Messages button to leave yours. Thanks for your help. Remember, this is about building a community of discovery together. Will you add your voice to the conversation? Before we wrap up this episode, can I come back to Carl Bussler's excellent podcast, The Mega Dungeon? I'll stick a link in the show notes so you can quickly find it. 
but I also wanted to strongly recommend it, and not just because episode 3 is an interview with me. Carl is exploring the published mega dungeons across the whole gamut of systems. His starting point was the Caverns of Thracia, the mega dungeon I also chose to begin with, but he plans a series to look at and evaluate many more. He's a great host and very easy on the ears. I recommend the Mega Dungeon podcast to anyone curious to learn more about this excellent approach to play. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Roleplay Rescue. If you ever want to get in touch, ask questions or share your point of view, you can leave me a voice message. Just download the Anchor mobile app, search for Roleplay Rescue and tap on the messages button to leave yours. I'm Che Webster. This has been Roleplay Rescue. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next Saturday with another episode. Game on.